But we're going to get right to it. Um, if you notice, I'm a little under the weather, but we're going to still do it because that's what we're here to do. We're here to read the word. We're here to read through some scripture. So we're going to read through Jeremiah. If you have been here with us, you know that we've been journeying through scripture from Genesis and now we are in the book of Jeremiah. And so today what I want to do is I want to spend some time uh, reading a couple chapters, maybe one or two chapters with you guys in the book of Jeremiah as we continue to journey through the entire scripture. We're going to read. And as we read, this isn't a Bible study. This is a meditational reading. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, is I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider the three questions and actually pray through these three questions. And the three questions are, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Those are the three questions that I want you to consider as we spend time in the reading of the word today. I already apologize. I know I'm losing my voice. I'm a little under the weather, but I want to keep committing to this with you guys as we <clears throat> journey through the entire scriptures. So I apologize if you're listening to this and you hear it. We're going to press through it, um, but I do want to just spend a few moments in the word with you guys. Okay. And so let's read um, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 37. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. Father, I thank you that you have given us the privilege, Lord, the facility, the technology, the ability to meet together from different parts of the world to spend time in your word. Father, bless us in this time, Lord, as we engage with you in your word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, reveal to us what needs to be revealed. Speak to us in a way that is necessary to us today. And Father, I just pray that even though we read this letter that's been written in antiquity, Lord, bring it into this moment. Bring it into this moment that we may find encouragement, that we may find conviction, that we may find uh, exhortation, that we may be built up in this word today. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Let's get right to it, y'all. Let's get right to it. Jeremiah 37, it says this. Now, King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land gave heed to the words of the Lord, which he spoke by the prophet Jeremiah. And Zedekiah, the king, sent Jehuchal, the son of Shalumiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Pray now to the Lord God for us. Now Jeremiah was coming and going among the people, for they had not yet put him in prison. Then Pharaoh's army came up from Egypt, and when the Chaldeans who were besieging Jerusalem heard news of them, they departed from Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me. Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come up to help you, will return to Egypt, to their own land. And the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against this city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, do not deceive yourselves, saying the Chaldeans will surely depart from us, for they will not depart. For though you had defeated the whole army of the Chaldeans who fight against you, and there remain only wounded men among them, they would rise up every man in his tent and burn the city with fire. And it happened 
when the army of the Chaldeans left the siege of Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army, that Jeremiah went out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to claim his property there among the people. And when he was in the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the guard was there, whose name was Arijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. And he seized Jeremiah the prophet, saying, You are defecting to the Chaldeans. Then Jeremiah said, False. I am not defecting to the Chaldeans, but he did not listen to him. So Arijah seized Jeremiah and brought him to the princes. Therefore, the princes were angry with Jeremiah, and they struck him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. And Jeremiah entered the dungeon and the cells, and Jeremiah had remained there many days. Then Zedekiah, king, the king, sent and took him out. The king said, sorry, the king asked him secretly in his house and said, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. Then he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Moreover, Jeremiah said to the king, Zedekiah, what offense have I committed against you, against your servants or against this people that you have put me in prison? Where now are your prophets who prophesied to you saying the king of Babylon will not land, sorry, will not come against you or against this land? Therefore, please hear now, O my Lord, the king, please let my petition be accepted before you and do not make me return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die there. Then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah to the court of the prison that they should give him a daily piece of bread from the Baker Street until all the bread in the city was gone. Thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Now Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Melchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken to all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, He who remains in the city shall die by the sword by famine and by pestilence. But he who goes over the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore, the princes said to the king, please let this man be put to death. For thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in the city and the hands of the people speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. Then Zedekiah the king said, Look, he is in your hand, for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Melchiah the king's son, which was in the court of prison. And Jeremiah down, and they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. Now Abedmelech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs who was in the king's house, heard that they put Jeremiah in the dungeon when the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin. Abedmelech went out of the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. And he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Abedmelech the Ethiopian saying, take from there, sorry, take from here 30 men with you 
and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So Abed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. Then Abed-Melech the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, please put these old clothes and rags under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. So they put Jeremiah, sorry, they pulled Jeremiah up with the ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Then Zedekiah the king sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I declare to you, will you not surely put me to death? If I give you advice, you will not listen to me. So Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah, saying, as the Lord lives, who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hand of these men who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. The city shall not be burned with fire and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then the city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans. They shall burn it with fire and you shall not escape from their land. And Zedekiah, the king said to Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand and they abuse me. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you. So it shall be well with you and your soul shall live. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. Now, behold, all the women who are left in the king's house shall be surrendered to the king of Babylon's princes. And those women shall say, your close friends have set upon you and prevailed against you. Your feet have sunk in the mire and they have turned away again. So they shall surrender all your wives and children to the Chaldeans. You shall not escape from their land, but shall be taken from the hand of the king of Babylon. And you shall cause this city to be burned with fire. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no one know these words and you shall not die. But if the prince is here that I have talked with you and they come to you and say to you, Declare to us now what you have said to the king and also what the king said to you. Do not hide it from us and we will not put you to death. And you shall say to them, I presented my request before the king that he would not make me return to Jonathan's house to die there. Then all the princes came to Jeremiah and asked him and he told them according to all the words that the king had commanded. So they stopped speaking with him for the conversation had not been heard. Now Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken. And he was there when Jerusalem was taken. I'm going to read one more chapter. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and besieged it. In the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the king, the city was penetrated. Then all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate. Nergal Sherezer, Samgar Nebo, Sarasakam, Rebasaris, 
Nergal Sarezer, Rabmag, with the rest of the princes of the king of Babylon. So it was when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and all the men of war saw them that they fled and went out of the city by night, by way of the king's garden, by the gate between the two walls. And he went out by the way of the plain, but the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had captured him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced judgment on him. Then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes in Riblah. The king of Babylon also killed the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. And the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Then Nebuchadnezzar, <coughs> sorry, then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive to Babylon the remnant of the people who remained in the city and those who defected to him with the rest of the people who remained. But Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left the land of Judah, the poor people who had nothing, and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, Take him and look after him and do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. So Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, sent Nebuchadnezzar, sorry, Rabasaris, sorry, Rabsaris, <laughs> Nergal Sherezer, Rabmag, and all the king of Babylon's chief officers. And they sent someone to take Jeremiah from the court of the prison and committed him to Gedaliah, the son of Ahiakam, the son of Shaphan. Then he took then he should take him home. So he dwelt among the people. Meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for adversary and not for good, and they shall be performed in that day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of the men whom you are afraid, for I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fail by the sword, but your life shall be a prize to you because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. And we're going to stop right there. <clears throat> um, yeah, y'all saw me struggle through those names. Um, and even when I read these names, so you guys know, I'm reading an English diction of those names. These are not how you pronounce the names in reality. These are not how the names were pronounced in Hebrew or in the native tongues of those who spoke those tongues in those times. Um, the Chaldeans and the Syrians and the Assyrians. That's not how they say their names. So I'm just going to throw all that out there. I do the best I can with what I've been given. <laughs> um, but I do want to just say this because I'm going to just leave you with a thought. And I apologize if I sound a little funny, my nose sounds a little clogged, and my throat sounds a little <clears throat> um, messed up. I, I'm having one of those days. However, 
I do want to leave you with a thought. There's something to be said about Jeremiah's trust in the Lord. Jeremiah has been given a tall task. He's been given an unpopular task. He's been given the task of prophet to speak the truth to the people, even though the truth hurts. Jeremiah has been given a seemingly difficult task of speaking an unpopular message, but a message that was necessary for the children of Israel and a message that was necessary for their survival. We see the necessity for their survival because, again, God was giving them a way to persevere even in the midst of what would look like to us and what what was a punishment for their um for huh, I'm from Ethiopia, bro. What you doing is very good. God bless you, sir. Uh, God bless you. Um, <clears throat> and I'm glad you noticed all the Ethiopian presence in the scripture. There's a large, there's a, a massive Ethiopian presence um, in the scriptures, but that's neither here nor there. Going back to what I was saying, Jeremiah has already foreseen everything that would transpire. He was speaking the truth of what he saw. And what he saw was not what Israel liked. You know, the idea of going back into captivity, the idea of falling back into captivity with an enemy, the idea of falling into captivity, period. The idea of losing your land, losing a sense of sovereignty, authority, control, losing all those things. Because again, Jeremiah had given them the reason that they were going to lose is because they played the role of the harlot. Now, I say all this because we're not going to get into the theological implications of all of that. But I say that to say, because we're going to posture ourselves today from Jeremiah's perspective. Jeremiah is speaking what will happen It's not that what he says is going to influence what happens. It's that what he's saying is speaking into what will happen. And yet, even in the midst of that, God is giving them possibility. He's giving them opportunity that even though they will lose their land, there will still be hope even in the midst of it. How do we know that? We know that there's hope in the midst of all of it because even though Watch this now, because we can go back to some prior chapters. Even though Israel would fall captive and be taken away from their land, Jeremiah, in chapter 32, buys a field. Which means that even in the midst of the punishment, even in the midst of Israel losing what seems to be what they were given for and what was promised to them, Jeremiah holds on to the hope that this would not be a permanent state. Some of us find ourselves in some situations and often we think or believe those situations to be permanent. We create imaginative permanence 
as if there were there is no hope on the other side of it. There's some of us even today who may look at some of the decisions that we've made and realize, you know what? I put myself in some of that stuff. Like, can we be honest for a second? Right. Can we be honest for a second? There's a lot of stuff that we found ourselves caught up in. We did it. We did it to ourselves. We 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 made mistakes, put ourselves into precarious situations. And yet, even in the midst of that, God is saying that situation isn't permanent. This is the grace of God. This is the restorative grace of God that even though we get ourselves caught up into some things that we should have never got caught up in and find ourselves into some predicaments that we should have never found ourselves in, God still gives us a way out. We should never be hopeless in the state that we are in because God always has a plan for us aside from whatever it is that we're going through. This speaks to the faithfulness of God, the grace of God, that even though Jeremiah sees what's going to happen to Israel, Jeremiah in chapter 32 still buys land. He still purchases land. I don't care what you've been through, what you've gone through. I don't care what you've lost. Some of it may have been your fault. Some of it may not have been your fault. Whatever pain you're encountering, whatever it is that you're experiencing, I got this one word for you. It isn't over. There's still hope even in the midst of it. The difference between us and many others is that even though sometimes we find ourselves caught in situations where others may want to give up, we do not remain hopeless. There is hope even in the midst of it. And Jeremiah is is pointing to this audacious hope that he has, that even though he's already seen what's going to happen, he sees Israel being taken to captivity, he's still buying land. He's still buying land. What makes you understand this radical hope that, it, that Jeremiah has? This is why you can trust the word of a prophet like Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah is not just pointing to them. Jeremiah's got stake in it. Jeremiah owns a piece of this. This is as much important to him as it is to everyone else. And yet Jeremiah is not hopeless in it. Jeremiah still has hope. And this points to what's happening here, because even though Israel will be taken away, there's a way for Israel to come back. That's right. Jeremiah's got skin in the game. And and Jeremiah is saying, even though the Chaldeans will overtake you, there's a way back. Even though the Chaldeans will take you, don't let them burn the city down. Because now when we come back, we're going to have to put it back together. But if we can just willingly accept this, this season in our lives, if we can willingly accept this season of captivity, If we can willingly accept that things aren't going the way we want it to go right now, but I'm going to choose to thrive even in the midst of that. Even though we're captives, let's build homes there. Let's establish there. Let's seek the peace of that city. Remember from Jeremiah 29, he said, you're going to be taken captive. But even though you're taken captive, seek the prosperity of your captives. 
sorry, of your of, of, of the ones who've held you captive. Seek the prosperity of Babylon. Seek the Chaldean prosperity, the Babylonian prosperity. For when they prosper, you prosper. He's saying, no, I'm sending you there right now. Accept this season. And if you can accept the season, when you come back, God's going to bring it all back together. You're still going to find, um, what's the word I want to say? Prosperity. <laughs> you will still find shalom. You will still find peace even in the midst of it. And yet Israel was stuck in their ways. Rather than Israel receiving the word from God and saying, you know what, guys, we're going to have to take this L for this moment. They said, no, 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 no. Jeremiah, you are a liar. They didn't like what Jeremiah had to say. And so what did they do? Fast forward now. Chapter 37. They hear the word. And they and they say, you know what, Jeremiah, we don't like what you're saying, so we're going to lock you up. They locked Jeremiah up. Stay with me for just 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 for a few here. They locked Jeremiah up, put him in prison, turned a home really into a prison, turned turned a, a palatial home into a prison, put him in a cell. And that wasn't good enough because they took him from the cell and threw him into a dungeon where there was no food and no water. Jeremiah almost died in the dungeon. Died speaking the truth of God's word, the truth of what God had to speak. This was the task that Jeremiah was given. This is a man who bought land here. He owns land here. This is not what he wants, but he knows this is what will transpire. And yet there's a way out, Zedekiah. If you would just if you would just go there, just just let them take you in. Don't let them burn down the city. If we can go in peace, God's going to open a door for us to get back. God's going to open a door for us to return. God's going to restore us in him. Why? Because no matter what it is that we've done, I cannot lose faith in the promise of God. This was the faith that Jeremiah had, but these people had more faith in themselves than they had in the faithfulness and the promise of God. The same pride that brought them into the situation is the same pride that's keeping them in the situation. The same desire for power and for influence and for themselves and for their posturing and for all of that, that same pride is what's going to keep them here. And Zedekiah would rather, he would rather capitulate to his own pride into what God is actually saying. And so he says to Jeremiah, I don't like what you said, so I'm going to put you in jail because somehow if I can get the prophet to say what I want to hear, as if prophets can affect futures rather than speak the truth of God, 
I say that because it speaks to our culture today. We have a culture today that would rather hear what attends to their ego. Tell me God's going to bless me. Tell me, tell me God's going to turn it around. <laughs> tell me, forget, forget the fact that I got to correct some things on my own. Nowadays, we don't want a prophet. What we want is a motivational speaker. We want somebody to tell us everything's going to be all right. We want somebody to tell us that nothing's going to go wrong. You know, one of the greatest lies that I hear, even in church and it's preached all the time, is that God's going to give you the best life ever. Not realizing that the Christian life is full of pain and strife and suffering. There are people who've given their lives to Jesus thinking that giving my life to Jesus is going to make my life more comfortable. Not realizing that some of us give our lives to Jesus and what we encounter is more discomfort, more pain. But no, what we want is we want somebody to tell us that God's going to give us that house. He's going to give us the car. He's going to he's going to he's going to give us, you know, all the things that we wanted. We don't want a prophet. We want a motivational speaker that'll pander to our ego. We want a person who will tell us you're going to be blessed. Forget the fact that I still got to correct some things in my life. Will somebody tell us that you're going to get married? Forget the fact that I haven't still dealt with the trauma in my life. Oh, forget the fact that I'm still dealing with laziness and gluttony. Forget that I'm dealing with all of that. But no, God's going to bless me. He's going to put me to good health. He's going to do all that because, of course, I have no responsibility, none at all. No personal responsibility. It's all on God to do that. No, no, no. We don't want a prophet who's going to tell us the truth. What we want is we want someone to pander to our ego. To tell us, oh, yeah, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all good. Get this. Right? Ready for this? How often is it that you've been told that God's going to turn it around, yet you still find yourself here? Still find yourself stuck? Oh, man, the hubris. The hubris of the faithless faithful. <laughs> the hubris of the faithless faithful that says, you know what? I just want somebody to tell me God's going to bless me. That's that God's going to turn it around. Forget that I've been hearing it for five years and nothing's changed. Forget that I've, that I've, I've been hearing it for the last 10 years and 15 years and 20 years, but none of that's changed because you ready for this. We don't want to actually hear the truth. We just want to hear something that will attend to our ego and to our desires Forget that I have to correct anything in my life or to get myself right with God. No, just tell me God's going to bless me. Tell me that little genie in the sky is going to give me everything that I want, everything that I need. Forget that if God blessed me with any of those things, I would actually ruin those things because I'm still dealing with my own brokenness and my own trauma and my own issues and my own things. Oh my goodness. It's funny how we want God to bless us while we're still broken. Like we want God to give us things in our brokenness, not realizing that whatever God blesses with us in the midst of some of the toxicity and the toxic brokenness that we have is we can turn the blessings of God into curses. We can break the blessings. You want to be married. 
Mm. But you still have some internal issues that if you got married, you'd bring them up, you bring them into your marriage and you wouldn't be able to keep it and, and hold on to it. You you want money, but you're still dealing with issues of of trust and comfort. And because of your idols of comfort, you end up squandering anything that God gives you. You want God to give you things and to turn things around in your life, but there are so many internal things that you still have yet to confront. No, you want to hear something good, but you don't want to actually do what's right. I'm sorry if I if I sound a little tough and maybe it's the cold and maybe it's the sore throat that's doing all of that, but I felt that I needed to really dig into this because Israel is like many of us. Jeremiah remains faithful not to pander to what Israel wants to hear, but to what Israel needs to hear. Israel, you're going to Babylon. That's what Jeremiah is saying. Jeremiah is saying, Israel, you are going to Babylon. You can either go kicking and screaming or you can go in peace. <laughs> but you're going to Babylon. You're going you're gonna to feel this. This one's going to hurt. <laughs> he, he say, this one's going to hurt. You're going to Babylon. Now, if you go to Babylon and you accept this, you can find prosperity even in the midst of that. It may not be exactly how you want it to be, but it's what God can do in it. In the midst of it, God can bless you and bless those around you and you can be a blessing. But you're going to Babylon or you can resist. And if you resist, not only will you lose your city, but they're going to burn it down as well. They're going to take your wife and kids. They're going to take everything. So rather than going in peace, Zedekiah says, nah, we got this. We're going to, we'd rather hear what the other prophets have to say. Jeremiah, can we just put you in a dungeon real quick? Let's go put Jeremiah in a dungeon. Yeah. Let's throw him in there. Because, of course, if we throw the prophet in there, somehow the word isn't the word anymore. Isn't it funny? Like this is this is our thought process, family. As if hiding the messenger is going to change the message. As if detaining the messenger is going to change the message. As if killing the messenger is going to change the message. It's not going to change whether you put Jeremiah in prison or not. Babylon's coming. <laughs> Egypt left. Babylon's coming. That's not going to change. And the audacity of Zedekiah. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm ranting. But the audacity audacity of Zedekiah to say, you know, let me, let me go back to the prison and let me go and, and, and ask Jeremiah one more time because I need, I need some more clarity. The pride, just, just, just pay for it. The pride 
I want you to really pay attention to this. The pride of Zedekiah to actually go back to the prison in private to speak to Jeremiah concerning the word of the Lord. Zedekiah knows the truth, but he's too busy trying to maintain his power, his influence, his control. He wants the word, but he still wants control. Whew. Oh, we want a word, but we, we still want control. Okay, God, I, I, I want to give my life to you, but I still want to have my own control. I want to be able to control the narrative. I want to be able to control the message. I want to be able to control how it goes, how it transpires. I still want to be in control. How many of us are just like that? At the end of the day, Zedekiah knows what Jeremiah is saying. This, this speaks to the authority that Jeremiah has. That even when they threw him in jail, the king still showed up to the prison to talk to him. Uh, did y'all catch that? Maybe I'm by myself. Maybe I'm alone. I don't know if y'all are with me on this. Maybe somebody will be with me on this. But do you understand the kind of authority that Jeremiah had? He's in prison with the kind of authority that the king who threw him in prison is now going to him in secret, absconds to the prison to have a conversation with Jeremiah. So Jeremiah, about the thing that the Lord said, hold on a second. Did you not put me in jail for what the Lord said? Did you not put me here to starve to death? Did you not did you not do that? And yet now you want to come to me and ask me for more? Jeremiah is a better man than me. <laughs> I will say that Jeremiah is a better man than me. This speaks, and this is what I was trying to get to. This speaks to Jeremiah's faith and his hope. This is the task that many of us have been given in ministry. It's the very people who will throw us to jail, put us in Twitter jail, put us in TikTok jail. The same people are the ones who will ask for prayer and ask for guidance. And yet our task is not to be popular. Our task is to serve the people of God. Jeremiah, this is just a reminder for me because I think there's, there's plenty of pastors in here. I see lots of pastors in here, lots of ministers in here. I'm always encouraged by many of you who message me private. Some of you are on here every day. I love it. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're able to participate with us and to be a part of this. But if I could just speak to the ministers for a moment. If I could just speak to the ministers for a moment. It's one of the most difficult tasks. Because for many of us, we deal with emails, criticism, DMs. You should see my DMs, y'all. <laughs> you should see the messages I get. You should see the things that people say. I've been blocked multiple times on all these platforms. I've been told multiple times that I'm a misogynist. I've been said that I'm a, a, an Uncle Tom. 
And at the same time, I'm some kind of black Hebrew Israelite. And then I've been told all kinds of different things. I've been called a false prophet. I've been called all kinds of different things. Cool. I didn't come on here to be popular. I came on here because I've got skin in the game. I love these people. I love every one of y'all. I love every one of y'all. Yes, uh, I've been told. I've uh, actually someone actually told me that that I'm receiving government checks to spew false lies that pander to white evangelicalism. This is. <laughs> Except that I spent most of my time speaking about how there's that most of the presence in the Bible is colored. <laughs> the whites are actually a minority in the Bible. You won't find them, actually. But forget that. Somehow, I because I believe in the reconciliation of all races and all people, somehow now I'm an Uncle Tom. That's another conversation for another day. I'm not here to have a conversation about that. And yet, even though ministers, and I I need to speak to the ministers today, you're going to confront people who hate you, who want to throw you in jail, who want to throw you to the side just for speaking the truth of the message of God. You ready for this? They may be people in your own church. Some of the, some of the most uh, abrasive people you will meet are the ones that are in the church. And yet, even though you confront all these people, at the end of the day, you've been called to love them. What a task. You've been called to be accessible to them. What a task. Jeremiah is ministering to a man who put him in jail. What kind of courage is that? It takes a lot. The man who's causing you to starve to death who's got you literally in a prison, who's leaving you there to die, shows up to the prison and says, hey, so about the thing that God said. And there's no hesitation from Jeremiah. No hesitation from him. Jeremiah says, hey, listen, I still can't change what God said. What God said is what God said. But here it is. I got some advice from you. And notice what he says. Jeremiah's hesitation only comes out of, I don't know if you're going to really hear my advice. His hesitation wasn't, man, you put me in this jail. Why don't you, because you put me in this jail, I shouldn't even know. His hesitation was, are you actually going to hear what I have to say? at the end of the day Jeremiah has skin in the game 
Jeremiah bought land here. And because Jeremiah has skin in the game, Jeremiah is motivated to continue to preach the message that needs to be preached to these people who he loves very much. And he tells Zedekiah, Zedekiah, just, just go. Go there in peace so they don't burn the city down. That's all. They're coming. That's not going to change. And this is what Zedekiah said. Zedekiah says, well, make sure nobody knows what you just said. Make sure nobody knows what you just said. You know, Zedekiah, and, and, and Jeremiah says to Zedekiah, okay, I got you. What kind of... <laughs> and yet for those of us who minister every day, there are going to be people who hate you. But what motivates you to love them? It's the grace of God. It's the fact that we've got skin in the game. The reason why I'm still here is because I've got skin in the game. I'm all bought into what God is doing. And I know God isn't done yet. I know there's more to come. I know the best is yet to come. I truly believe in that. In the meantime, some of us find ourselves in dungeons. I close with this. It's just a thought and I'm, I'm glad I was able to get through to this point. Is Jeremiah doesn't get released from prison until Jerusalem falls. When Jerusalem falls, that's when Jeremiah gets taken out of prison. And it's when Jerusalem falls that Jeremiah finds a semblance of safety and comfort in the enemy. Verse 12, take him, this is what Nebuchadnezzar says, take him and look after him and do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. <sighs> this temporal safety that Jeremiah gets is from those who you would have considered the enemy. And then verse 15 says, Meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of prison, saying, Go and speak to Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for adversity and not for good, and they shall be performed that day before you, but I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of men whom you are afraid, for I will deliver you and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be a prize to you because you have put your trust in me. That's my last thought. Jeremiah has been set free. Everything that is being orchestrated in all of this has been by the sovereign grace of God. And yet in the end, look what he says, I will deliver you in that day. He's trusting in the word of God. 
Jeremiah saw all this coming, and yet Jeremiah did not lose hope because he says, for I will surely deliver you. You shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be a prize to you because why? Because you're smart, because you're intelligent, because you've you've got you're closer to God because you pray more, Jeremiah, because you got the camel knees. No, he says, because you have put your trust in me. The distinction of Jeremiah in everyone else in the scripture, every character that we see in this in this portion of text, in this book, the distinction between Jeremiah and them is that Jeremiah's trust is in the Lord. That's it. Jeremiah's faith, his trust is not in anything else but the Lord. The reason why Jeremiah has skin in the game is because he trusts in the Lord. The reason why Jeremiah can continue to speak and the reason why Jeremiah is bold, even there, bold in the word of God and what God has to say is because his trust is in the Lord. The reason why Zedekiah can come to him in prison and he can still prophesy to him and minister to him, the person who imprisoned him is because his trust is in the Lord. The reason why he was able to do all of that is because his trust is in the Lord. This is the question that I've gotten from some of you guys. Because you guys have asked this question and you've been saying, okay, I get it. Religion's not going to save me. Religion's not going to help me. Religion's not going to turn this around for me. So what's going to do it? Because as religious as I've been, I was still wrecked up. And as many times as I can go to church on Sunday, I'm still wrecked up. As many times as I read my Bible, go to Bible study, as many times as I do all the religious things, those, those religious rhythms, it still didn't change what was really going on in me because religion doesn't change your heart. Religion does not change your heart. A relationship with God does. And yet you cannot get into a relationship with God until you realize how much you actually need him. And when you know how much you need him, like how desperately you need him, then it opens the door for you to trust in him. And when you trust in him, then begins the transformation in your life. Until your heart changes, your life won't change. Say that one more time. Until your heart changes, your life won't change. And your heart can't change based off of information or based off of how much Bible you know. Your heart will only change when you finally realize how depraved you are and how dependent you are on God. And when you realize how dependent you are on God, it invites now you to have a faith in something other than yourself. Only faith in Christ can transform your heart. Ah, but when you have faith, the faith then transforms you in a way where if you are in Christ, you become a new creation. 
where old things are passed away, where all things have become brand new. This ain't going to happen by your ability, by your facility, by your capacity, by how intelligent you are, how much you know, how much Bible you got in you. Only your heart. I'm ranting. This is a sick rant. I'm sorry if I, I hope my throat doesn't sound so weird. It feels weird. It feels really weird. (laughs) But I'm sitting here just reflecting on the fact that so many folks find so much comfort in religion. So much comfort in religion. So much comfort in, man, I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep singing these songs. I'm going to keep meditating. I'm going to keep doing all these things. I'm going to follow the law. I'm going to follow all these rules. I'm going to do, I'm going to do all of this stuff. And all this stuff is going to make me, man, it's going to make me a good person. Not realizing religion can do nothing for you. Religion's a waste without heart transformation. The only thing is a transformed heart. And a transformed heart won't come until you realize you have no power to transform it. No power at all to transform it and that you desperately need the spirit of God in your life until you have the, until you feel there's a necessity for the outpouring of the spirit of God on your life, there will not be a heart change and you cannot open the grace of God and the outpouring of the spirit of grace without faith in Jesus Christ. That ain't going to happen. So go ahead and take your religion with you somewhere. It ain't going to do nothing here. Not a single thing here. Love y'all, fam. I got to run. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, reminding us how necessary it is for us to trust in you. Lord, we see um, Jeremiah's faith in you. Faith in a faithful God. We see how faithful you are to him, that even in the midst of all this and all the trials, you kept him even in the midst of it. And it reminds us of your faithfulness to us. Lord, teach us to be faithful to you. Lord, in the same way that Jeremiah has hope in you, evident by the fact that he has skin in the game. Father, those of us right now with skin in the game, but those of us right now who we're still confronting some of the challenges of how we minister to those who hate us. How do we continue to love those who um, Lord, are, are our enemies? <laughs> but Lord, let's be reminded that we were once enemies to you and that you loved us first. And so as we navigate through this day, Father, I pray that you would remind us of our dependence on you. Remind us of how the law can't change anything in us. It's only your spirit that can. Teach us to open ourselves up to depend on you and to rely upon you. Teach us to trust in you. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen.